0: Waves of sadness and remembrances of Queen Elizabeth are part of conversations everywhere, as Americans and the rest of the world come to grips with her death. Separately, results from a PBS NewsHour NPR Marist poll are painting a fresh picture of where the American electorate stands just two months ahead of the general election. For analysis of these and other developments this week, we turn to Capehart and Gerson. That is Washington Post associate editor Jonathan Capehart and his Post colleague, opinion columnist Michael Gerson. David Brooks is away. Hello to both of you Hi, Judy. on this Friday night. And let's start by talking about the woman no one else like her that we know of, uh, Jonathan, on the throne for 70 years mm-hmm. at a time when not just Great Britain, but the world was going through enormous change. What are you thinking about her? what she stood for? well d-
1: to my mind she's she stood for consistency um, and stability and um, conservatism in that she for her people was someone who was um, never changing or slow to change um, people I bet today who don't like the monarchy probably didn't like her with her passing are probably thinking about what she meant to them in terms of how they feel about their country and where it's going um, i love the fact that we watched this monarch who became queen as as a young woman and watched her change evolve age and in that time we saw that the that the queen has a dysfunctional family, she has to deal with all sorts of things that regular families have to deal with. It's just that she's a monarch, and we're watching it all in, in real time. And I think that The Crown, coming out when it did in her, her the later TV. years, the, t- the TV show, yeah. on, on mm-hmm. TV series on Netflix, which I have watched in its entirety. Twice, yeah. Um, is I have two, by the way. It's, it's really, really good. It's, it's <laughs> really good and really fascinating oh, yeah. to watch. But you know, I'm I'm going to stop talking because there's one person at this table who has actually interviewed a member of the royal family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just telling us uh, that exactly. he's talked to interviewed yeah. King Charles the Right. So, Michael, first of all, his. What about the king's mother? What do you think she leaves us with? And then let's talk about him.
2: Well, you know they call it the show when you're in Britain, the the monarchy. But it's not really just a show. Um, The British people, as a matter of political philosophy, have divided their um, political aspirations into two institutions. One of them, the parliamentary system, that reflects needed change, and the other one, the monarchy, which reflects tradition, history, and a slower form of change that you were you were talking about. in the United States we try to we try to combine both those things in the in the president to some extent he's supposed to play both roles like George Washington did for example but have, there have been many people who failed that failed that job but it worked for the last 70 years because of her their form of government worked properly because of her for the last 70 years
0: worked properly and now we're on to a new Regime, and we want to hear from both of you about what what you expect. But Michael, I mean, you 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 were telling us you've spent time talking with him. What what do what do you expect
2: at Highgrove? It's um, he is a significantly underestimated public figure. When he first started, for example, to talk about organic farming, everybody thought he was Mm -hmm. balmy. Okay, Um, and he was a pioneer. When he started talking about the uh, you know the Amazon rainforest. Uh, you know, preserving it—that has become one of the main uh, environmental issues in our world. Um, when he started talking about the dehumanization of modern architecture, particularly in public housing, um, it was a wise and interesting contribution to the public discussion. So I'm in the camp. I think that he is going to uh, uh, take to that office quite well.
0: What do you think about him? But and Jonathan, what do you think about the the monarchy and does it survive in this time?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm going to share something that I told Dave Michael I would not share on air, but I'll say it anyway. You know, way back when, I had a crush on, on then Prince Charles, Prince of Wales. But now he is. I said it. Um, <laughs> but King Charles III, I, and I take everything that, that Michael has said, but he is facing challenges. Um, he's got a commonwealth where a lot of countries in Africa are not celebrating the way people in England are, 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 are mourning, I shouldn't say celebrate, mourning in the same way that people in, in England are. There is a, a, a CNN reporter whose reports from Nairobi are really sort of bracing in this moment, reminding people that there are people in Africa who, who think of the British as imperialists, as colonizers, and they, they, they want amends, they want apologies. You know, Prince William and now the Prince of Wales and Princess of Wales, they were in the Caribbean in March, and they faced protests uh, along the way. So I also think Prince Edward was also on a trip, uh, he and his wife, in the Caribbean, where they faced protests. So and, th- and
0: in our own report a few minutes ago, we heard from Jamaica, uh, right. people saying the time for kings and queens is past.
1: Right, so I, I think for King Charles III, he the dilemma for him now is how do you how do you hold the monarchy together when um, countries want to leave the Commonwealth, countries want to remove the British monarch as the sovereign for their for uh, of their country. Uh, you also have, they also have to deal with Australia talking about wanting to leave New Zealand, Scotland. Wales. The challenge for him, the challenge for Queen Elizabeth II, was always how to keep the monarchy going. For him, I think it's going to be how do you keep the monarchy? Um, how do? You, how will he help it survive?
0: How, how do you think it's going to be different? Well, I think it is different in America in a certain way. Um, uh,
2: those were those uh, objections to imperialism were, were are quite real and important. Um, but when we look out back at our history. Um, we are, got our sense of national destiny from the Puritans. Okay, we got our sense of uh, the the First Great Awakening and the and the uh, evangelical movement from J, uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield. Okay, we got our uh, our entire approach of republican uh, governance from the Whigs, British Whigs. Okay, we we are, are, have a tie to Britain not just because their family you know, has a soap opera. Um, this is actually a deep tie of belief and background
0: mm-hmm. that's
2: different than many other
0: countries. It's, it's we're talking about two democracies, but two very different mm-hmm. uh, democracies, uh, and at a time when, Jonathan, democracies have been under attack around the world. This is a democracy that, yes, it's changed, but it's the, the vote <laughs> is still mm-hmm. there.
1: The the vote yes the vote is still there we've seen a peaceful transfer of power yes. from one monarch <laughs> right. to another whereas you know the the cousins over here <laughs> we're still grappling with a, you know an attempted coup <laughs> and one that could could happen again
0: and speaking of the vote uh, we want to we want to share uh, some of the numbers uh, uh, from our Michael from our poll that mm-hmm. we did this week with NPR and Marist where among other things we asked people what issues matter to them. The most, and it's been inflation, inflation, inflation. But we're now seeing that, especially among Democrats, more than a third of them are saying abortion. The issue of abortion is driving them to have a greater interest uh, in uh, in this uh, in this election. What does that tell you? Well, it doesn't
2: tell me as much about the issue of abortion, which has been divisive for a long time. Um, it tells me a lot about. The perception of radicalism of the Republican Party. Okay, um, this is a, a case where, rather than dealing in the aftermath of Dobbs in a responsible way with these issues, Republicans looked like they wanted to, uh, you know, undermine the health of a ten-year-old. Okay, or the, you know, the Attorney General of Texas has said that he would enforce sodomy laws if the Supreme Court. Um, uh, you know, moves on those things. Those are deeply radical notions um, that Republicans have been led to. So I think Republican, I think that Democrats have been more effective not in changing minds on abortion, but saying you can't trust Republicans mm-hmm. with issues like abortion because they're, they're just not fit for it.
0: What do these numbers tell you, Jonathan?
1: Uh, I, I agree with Michael. Um, you can look at where people are in terms of inflation, uh, immigration crime, abortion. And I take your point that you know, what we see in these numbers, it might not it, it maybe isn't about people saying we support abortion, but it is about the radicalism or uh, uh, of, of Republicans, or as I look at it, the attack on freedom. If you're, you're, you're going to attack a woman's right to bodily autonomy, then another Supreme Court justice in a concurring opinion says, we're going to attack the right of same-sex couples to engage in intimacy, to get married. Um, We're going to attack the right of people to have access to contraception. And I think, because of that radicalism, because of that attack on freedom, we see in that poll, it says six out of 10 Americans said the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe makes them more likely to vote this fall. That was a huge number that jumped out at me. And then that fits in with what we have seen in other polls, that women... Are registering to, they're outpacing men in several states: in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, eleven percentage point. A jump in Ohio, 12 points in Pennsylvania, 15 points in Wisconsin, six in Georgia, seven in North Carolina,
2: and suburban yeah. women, which is going to be a battleground group in in a lot of this.
0: That's right, and 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 then I don't know if we have time to show this uh this graphic, but when asked which party should control Congress, Democrats holding their own. It's still close. It's but it's. 48 uh, Democrats 44 Republicans but specifically Michael I want to ask you about when you when people are asked uh, voters are asked should Donald Trump run again right. in 2024 67% of Republicans said yes and when Republicans were asked what if he's charged with a crime almost that many still think he should run 61%
2: well, I, I still want to be shocked by that.
0: <laughs> um,
2: this, is, you know, this is a case where uh, Donald Trump has become more radical since he left office on many, many ways. Um, we have seen from the hearings, there's plenty of evidence out there that he's done illegal things or may have done illegal things. Um, this is proof that the base of the Republican Party is not going to be changed by external f- factors. Um, and the the big question that more moderate republicans have is are there 3 to 5% of republicans on the margin who will just say this guy has too much baggage
0: 3 to 5%
2: yeah exactly that's what people i talk to they think that could be decisive in a primary or in a general election if you have a marge a small margin of disaffected republicans who th- who may have liked some of the things he did but find him
0: to have a lot of baggage how does that how does that weigh on the other party?
1: <laughs> well, I think the other party should should realize that whether or not Donald Trump runs for president, whether or not he's the nominee uh, and it faces President Biden in twenty twenty four, it doesn't matter. Whether Trump's on the ballot, Trumpism is abroad in the land. Yeah. Those policies are going to be espoused by DeSantis or Governor Abbott or who, whomever else is the is the Republican nominee. So. I don't think we should be focusing on Donald Trump. We should be focusing on the Republican Party.
2: Quick coda? No, I agree. That's the, that's the threat. And it's not going to go away if he does go away. But he should go away because of the
0: distinct threat that he presents to American democracy. All right. Entirely too much agreement here tonight. But it's, <laughs> but it's perfectly all right. Jonathan Capehart, Michael Gerson, thank you both. Thanks, Judy.